You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's Thursday, the 1st of December. Thanks so much for your company. Once again, we've got so much to get through this morning. I'll be talking to owner-trainer Barry Connell, who might yet be unleashing the latest star of jump racing in Ireland, a horse called Mary National. You'll be hearing much more about him in a few moments' time. Gay Waterhouse is the co-trainer together with Adrian Bott, who'll be handling alcohol-free when she gets to Australia. Gay's, at the moment, holidaying very briefly in Hawaii, but she still took time out for me last night to tell me about her excitement uh, to getting alcohol-free and what distance requirements might suit her best in Australia. More of that in a fascinating interview later in the show. There's a boutique sale taking place after the Tingle Creek Chase at Sandown on Saturday. Donica Doyle, the leading Irish consigner, on his two big hopes there. And the big news this morning is that in the Tingle Creek Chase, all three big guns will stand their ground. Grenatine, Shishkin, Edwardstone. I've spoken to Nicky Henderson this morning. He says, we will run. Alan King, if he's happy with the breeze this morning, Edward Stone is set to go to Sandown Park as well. So that's going to be an absolute cracker for the Tingle Creek. I'll also be speaking to John Fairley, whose Highfield Princess has been mopping up the gongs during awards season and could be bound for more at the ROA Awards next week. And trainer George Baker tells me about the two horses he's sending out to the Middle East on behalf of my racehorse. Tingle Creek chat in a bit, but with all due respect to Grenatine and Shishkid even and Edward Stone, they are not the star attractions this weekend. The star attraction is Honeysuckle, who runs in the Hatton's Grace Hurdle once again at Ferry House, the traditional way that she starts off her season. That takes place on Sunday. Jane Mangan is behind the number one door of the advent calendar today, the RTE and Racing TV broadcaster. Jane, is it a formality for Honeysuckle? You would hope so. I did. Uh, I do have to laugh a little bit because door one of all the advent calendars is always a little bit disappointing, isn't it? They don't want to get your hopes up too soon. Hence, you've got me today. Um, I am obviously captain of the Honeysuckle Fan Club. I have had no disappointments thus far, albeit during her career, her Hatton's Grace performances have sometimes left a little bit to be desired as she builds up to the main event of her season in the spring. But she's got classical dream as opposition. Of course, we don't have confirmations yet. So let's see what declarations will bring on. And ratings, he's 163, so he should be a threat. But of course, he's better at extreme distances now, like three miles, albeit I don't think he stayed in the stairs hurdle at Cheltenham last year. Ashdale Bob Tahupo is probably an improver, but we haven't seen him this season. Darver Star shouldn't be good enough. And Sir de Burley absolutely blew out in the List Mullen last time. It's all about the mayor. We're talking about Constitution Hill and his brilliance. Well, let's see if the unbeaten queen can make it 17 from 17. Trump Apple's Jade and uh, Salarina's treble in this race and make it four in a row. I mean, the record of victories strung together is pretty remarkable. One thing has struck me as you've been listing the potential rivals to Honeysuckle. This could be a slightly different test to the one she normally faces in this race because it's run over the intermediate distance. Normally, this is a, a race where 
she doesn't have anything to fear in terms of rivals outstaying her. We've got some very, very stout stayers in here. Are they just going to go out and try and make it a complete war in order to exploit the fact that it's her first run of the season? And as you said, she hasn't always been at her most spectacular in this. Perhaps they might try and expose any fitness frailties, but in saying that, Classical Dream hasn't had the benefit of a run this season either. And in last year's race, she beat Ronald Pump, who's placed in a stairs. This this girl loves a strong pace to run at, and I think Rachel would only be delighted if she had a target on Paul Townend's back turning into the straight with three furlongs to run at Fairy House. But look, everybody has tried to get her beat going slow with Sharjah, trying to outdo her for pace. Um, She's had to run at strong pace before and stay well. The intermediate trip is probably, it's not her optimum, but it's not far off it. She's pretty effective at it. Um, I, I think she'd have to underperform to get beaten. That's not beyond the realms of possibility. She can only turn up so many times. This is start number 17. She's been immaculately placed to maintain uh, her unbeaten record, but she's been brilliant in doing that as well. And what I'm most looking forward to, Nick, is last year, off the back of lockdowns and COVID, we had an absolutely huge turnout at Fairy House, a, fa- a fairy house that felt like a real festival. And I would imagine, given this is her final season, Connections have been very transparent about that, that this we've got only four, maybe five starts left of her career. We're going to embrace it. We're going to have to enjoy it. And uh, that'll start this Sunday, Fairy House, with three grade ones, but she'll be the showpiece. She is, of course, box office, but you're getting plenty of supporting bang for your buck at Ferry House on Sunday. In the Royal Bond Novices Hurdle, the horse called Mary Nationale runs, trained by Barry Connell, owned by Barry Connell, to whom I spoke last evening, and he spoke very warmly about this horse. I think I've, I've said we've never never had a horse like him before. I'm not saying he's the most talented horse we, 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 we've had. I mean, he's only running a couple of bumpers and a, and a maiden hurl, but the way he's won his race, he's, he's never come off He's never come off the bridle. He's never looked like coming off the bridle. He's a very quick horse. We, we, we've never had a horse that's that, that's able to do things as easily as he as he does. I, I think he's entitled to, to take his place in the grade one and, and be up there with the, with the fancied ones. Um, he jumps brilliantly, uh, which is which is another another plus. So I'm 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 expecting a massive run from him on on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I'd be I'd be disappointed if he's if he's not bang there. Was it always patently obvious to you from when you when you got him that he was a bit above average, or there was something pretty decent about him? Um, I got him from Sam Carling, who who trains point to pointers, and it was the the second year of COVID and there was uncertainty as to whether the, the point-to-point season was going to go ahead. And I've bought a few horses from Sam before before they've, before they've run um, and we've, we've, we've done well with them. And he nominated this, this horse and uh, he came up to the Curra and um, one of our own guys rode him uh, a piece of work um, with one of our better horses and he, he, was, he was pretty impressive. So we bought him. So what we prefer to do is 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 to give to give those horses a you know a full a full season. So we 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 just um, we let him off. We let him off for the summer. We brought him back in, and he developed a sore wither when we when we brought him back in, and we couldn't ride him out for couldn't ride him out for a couple of months. And um, so. 
just after Cheltenham there we started to do a bit of a few quicker bits with him and he was he, he, he was going going well and we said we'd run him there's a Punchestown meeting there uh, in May after the festival I was absolutely blown away by the way he won like he looked like he joined in halfway we went to went for a bumper in Killarney um, and I just <clears throat> was a, a little bit nervous that it might have been a flash in the pan a, a one off and um, it was only, a, I think, a four-horse race in Killarney, but he won by about a furlong down there, and the second horse came out and has franked the form since. We'll give him another little break and then come back to Punchestown for his maiden hurl. And the race kind of wasn't run to suit him. Uh, they didn't go much of a gallop. When he turned into the straight, he you know, took off and, 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 and won easily again. And we feel he will be better in a better race, um, you know, if he has a stronger pace. Because he uh, he's such a good jumper, he relaxes well, and I think you can ride him. He's plenty plenty of boot. Now, Barry Michael, who you refer to, is is Michael O'Sullivan, who uh, has been plucked from relative obscurity. Uh, he's still in his early twenties. You've given him a big opportunity on a on your horses and and a, a really good one here. Tell me why he's so good, because I know nothing about him. Okay. Um... He's firstly his his pedigree. Um, he's 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 from um, the O'Sullivan family in Cork. Uh, he was champion novice point to point rider about three years ago, and then he went and did did his college degree. You know, I I, I had been watching um, you know riding riding bumpers and kind of had seen him riding the point to points, and uh, he just rang up looking for the ride on on Marine National, um, and we hadn't anybody booked so. I said, sure, you can you can ride him, and um, I thought he gave him a smashing ride um, uh, that day. And um, he started to come in then and, and ride out a couple of days for a couple of days' work for us. And we just got on well. And um, I think he has uh, he has all the attributes go go to the top. He's a great he, he's a he, he's a great temperament, great pair of hands, reads the race very well. Um, so look, I said to him, if if uh, if you're interested in turning professional, I said our job is there. Um, you know, you can ride all the horses, and I said, you know, when you get down to three pounds and lose your claim, I said I'd still be happy to use you. Uh, we put him up on Enniskerry when he won the um, the Grade Three Novice Chase in Roscommon, and I would say for anybody that wants to look back at that race, um, he definitely didn't look like a claiming rider in that race. You know, he he, he looked like a fully fledged professional. He's um, He's top draw. I, I, I wouldn't um I wouldn't dream of putting anybody else up on these horses on, on um Sunday. Uh, Barry, you you've been at the game a little while now. You've you've ridden a lot of horses yourself, you've trained a lot of horses yourself, you've owned tons of horses, you've employed various different trainers, you've discovered lots of young jockeys, uh, you've 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 really kind of mined the game for all that it all that it has to offer in terms of you know, in enhancing your own knowledge of it. Do you feel now in 2022 on the cusp of 2023? To what extent do you think? Right, I've, I'm pretty much where I want to be with this at the moment. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we we bought a, a facility um, about 15 minutes from the current. It's it's 45 acres. Uh, it was a greenfield site, and we've developed it into a, into a training centre over the last um, over the last four four years. Um, we have our own own gallops there. Um, you know, we've 
all the facilities you'd want and we have a current license as, as well so um, you know when we need to go and work the horses for load up and only 15 minutes down the road to to um, you know all the best scouts in the country and we've we've put together a very good team of staff and um, so I, I I think you put it well there I think it's you know kind of we are it's it's like a startup it was like a startup business um um you know and we're, we're, we're just starting to reap the benefits of it now um in terms of the horses coming through the system we've kindly stopped buying second-hand horses and most of the ones we're buying now are are you know coming through our own system they're you know stores or yearlings are still by the occasional marine is is is, is a case in point we still buy the occasional horse who is recommended to us and we know where he's coming from and he's you know he hasn't you know he hasn't been overtrained beforehand so um no I, it's it's going well look this season is going well generally and we don't have a big team but the horses are all fit and healthy and running running well and we seem to have unearthed a couple of a couple of really nice um couple of really nice horses and um um, you know, I think this marine guy could be—he—he he, he could be a bit special. Look, maybe, maybe, maybe he won't—he won't. He won't um, maybe he won't win on Sunday, and he isn't a Grade One horse. But um, <laughs> they're the vibes he's giving us at the moment. Um, we've no reason, reason. We were watching this morning, and we couldn't be happier with the with, with the way he's he's come through his last piece of work. So, um, you know, all all systems go. Well, after you've listened to that from Barry Connell, Jane Mangan, you'd almost be inclined to say that Marine Nationals the the best bet on the card at, at Ferry House on Sunday. He's um he's pretty confident he's got a good one, and and the evidence so far suggests he might be right. I think so. Um, Barry trains a select number of horses. He's been in horses a very long time, and he knows when he's when he's got one above average, and it's obvious. This guy won a Punchestown back in May. He beat decent horses, and he probably didn't have to be wonderful to win a Killarney in August, but his last run at Punchestown in October left, left us in no doubt this guy is, is pretty top drawer. It's a difficult going straight from winner's company into grade one. Um, maybe I thought he might pitch up at a for auction, but he's going straight into the hottest of waters and he's going to have to take on the likes of Champ Kiley, who beat Brazil at Tipperary last time. I was impressed with Irish Point. He was a grade one AQPS winner in France before coming over and joining Gordon. And Hercule de Soil is the for auction winner from Navin. So this is a good race, but I, I think this is a good horse and he's been waxing lyrical about this horse for a while. Um, and he's not afraid to to take on the big guns. He's got a grade one entry at Leopardstown as well. Those grade one entries came out during the week. I was a little bit disappointed to see only a handful of British entries, albeit Constitution Hill is in the Matheson hurdle. And I think the skeletons have Prashmina in um in one of those grade ones as well. But this this guy is good and I'm not surprised to hear Barry speaking so positively about him. Well, if you were with me yesterday, you'll have heard me talking extensively about alcohol-free and making 5.4 million guineas at the Tattersall Scepter Sessions, and she's on her way to Australia. Uh, what we may not have told you yesterday was that she was on the way to the training yard of Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott, for whom she will be prepared for what you can only imagine will be an extremely ambitious uh, racing campaign before she goes breeding. I'm catching Gay now. Uh, in in Hawaii of all places, between Australia and America, between all sorts of work commitments, Gay, I can't thank you enough for taking a bit of time out. But I guess a uh, news like this 
um, will always put a spring in your step, won't it? It certainly does, Nick, and you certainly want to talk about it because it's a wonderful thing for Australia. It's a wonderful thing for you long to be able to have a mayor like this. Now, she already is, her, her mother is already standing at Stud and Geelong in Australia. But to have a racing prospect, the likes of Alcohol Free, is a dream come true for the Australian public and for, this, for the Stud. I mean, we're quite familiar, Gay, with a lot of very, very good horses who've gone either way as, as stallions, uh, horses that have come from Australia, say, to Ascot, horses that have come from Europe to, to race successfully in Australia. I can't recall a horse of this calibre being a straight export, not just for breeding, but also for racing down under. Can you? I would agree. No, I agree completely. But she's the most um, expensive and uh, qualified and, uh, uh, you know, the four group one wins at varying distances at all the top tracks. Uh, you know, there's never been anything quite like her come out to race. Uh, and, you know, as I saw when... I heard that they had secured her. I thought, well, they brought the Queen. The Queen's coming to Australia. It's it's frightening to think what she might accomplish as well now. Um, she's Group 1 winner at 2, 3 and 4. What will the campaign look like? I know the Everest has been mentioned, but how do you envisage her moving through 2023? Well, look, we'll sit down with the team at Geelong and, and discuss a programme, especially once she arrives and we can see how she's travelled. I think, Nick, that what people don't realise, that in Australia there are 87 races worth £500,000 and more. So 87 races in varying distances are available to a mayor like her. And that's what it really is, such an amazing place to race horses. We're so lucky in uh, Australia to have the prize money and the climate that you can race really all year round in, in wonderful conditions. Gay, you you don't miss much and you'll have seen that this mare's won and against the boys as well from six furlongs to a mile. Just on what you've what you've observed on looking at her, where do you think she'll be best suited in Australia? Will she be best suited by sprints or will she be best suited by longer races? I would think by longer races, because from my experience of European horses, and I've trained a few, uh, the, 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 tw- the 1,200 metres, the six furlongs in England, and it's not like anything we have in Australia. See, in Australia, all our tracks are flat. They're not varying like Goodwood or Epsom or, or Ju- the July meeting, which, you know, England, they're all so varying and different and wonderfully individual, the tracks. Uh, and they really are a test of a horse's stamina. So the English horse arrives and he's got enormous stamina. And, uh, you know, a 1,200 metre, he'd skip over, and yet you can put him over 2,000 metres, 10 furlongs or 2,400 metres, mile and a half, and they'll do it with their eyes shut. And I don't think she'll be any differently. I really don't. So even though the Everest was mentioned, you actually think the longer races will be will be more up her street? I think so. Uh, and, you know, you've got to remember that in the set weight races in Australia, the mayors get an allowance. So, you know, she's, she's, she'll come in with the best accredited mayor there, and she'll have the allowance. It's a wonderful thing. You know, she, she, she's, a, you know... The, like the world's her oyster down here, really. You know, she's been so well prepared. 
you know, by Andrew Balding. He's so well placed her over the four years. He's had her in training. And I was lucky enough to see her being trained there with Andrew and, and Emma, you know, his mum, and a great mate of mine. And it just... Just, uh, she's had a great 5.4 million uh, guineas is a lot of money. Do, do you think this will presage a whole load more horses like this coming to Australia because of that prize money? Do you think people will be, you know, opening the opening the purse strings to this extent? I mean, the Mick Donoghue, who, who signed the ticket for you long, said they'd have gone they'd have gone to more for her. Well, Mick uh, understands it perfectly, and I read an article where he was uh, interviewed. Um, uh, and, you know, really and truly, when you have that prize money there, that uh, amount of money uh, is not huge. If she walks off the track doing what I think she'll do, she'll, she'll have well and truly won that prize money, you know, uh, by the time she goes to start. So she would have paid for herself in her racing career in Australia. Well, Gay, it's hugely exciting. Um, can't thank you enough for chatting to me today um, and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. Look forward to seeing you, Nick. Thanks so much. Okay, well, we've been focusing quite extensively this week on the Tingle Creek chase at Sandown on Saturday, quite rightly, too. I mean, the good news is that the three big guns, as we see them, are going to run. Nicky Henderson confirming to me this morning, Shishkin will definitely run, that he's in good shape. John Bond, likewise. Alan King was, when I spoke to him a few moments ago, was just breezing Edward Stone. He said, if he comes through the breeze, okay, he'll definitely run as well. Paul Nichols has been brimful of confidence as regards Grenatine. Why wouldn't he? The horse is in the form of his life. He loves that, loves Sandown. Uh, and we could get some pretty interesting supporting players in there as well. I, I mean, Jane, at the moment, it's 10 to 11, 11 to 10, Shishkin, Grenatine, all thereabouts, a little bit bigger Edward Stone. Is it a race you've got a strong view on and you're inclined to to, to back with your, with your hard-earned cash? Well, I think if Shishkin is the horse that we thought he was going to Cheltenham, then this is his race. Um, we have a lot of questions to ask and he's a lot of questions to answer, but let's not have too short memories. We thought this guy was awesome when he beat an argument in the Clarence house. And before that trouncing grenatine by 10 lengths at Kempton. So I'm in camp Shishkin and I have put all my faith in Nicky Henderson to get him back to that rating of 176 and higher. He's an eight year old. He's likely raced. Why can't he improve? But grenatine is going to keep him honest. Again, he's rating 171 says that Paul Nichols has won this race 12 times including with this guy last year. Hopefully Edward Stone will turn up and we get to see what he's like against real open company opposition. It's a good, deep Tingle Creek, but it's not a vintage renewal for me unless Shishkin turns on the wow. I think this is a good race. It really is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think Edward, Edward Stone's got to, got, to, got to take another step forward to get to these two, I think. He has to take a £10 almost stone step forward to get near Shishkin at his best. So that's why I'm looking forward to seeing him. I was a big fan of his last year and he had a lot of doubters going into the Arkle. And I don't know if last year's Arkle division was vintage, but he was a good horse in it. But yeah, let's see. I, I Again, the Tingle Creek for me is one of those brilliant, brilliant races in memory. But I don't think this is the one I'm going to be talking about in 10 years time. Well, an added bonus, if you are going racing at Sandown on Saturday, is that you'll see some lovely stock sold after racing at the Goffs Tingle Creek Sale. Great venue for it. And one man who's made a a, a, a really big play at these boutique sales through the last decade and a half is uh, consigner Donica Doyle, who's a, 
uh, prolific in the Irish point-to-pointing field, and uh, and joins me now, Donica. Another another day, another weekend, another another boutique sale. Uh, they, they really have completely changed the face of uh, of the game, haven't they? Oh, they have, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, but sure. uh, everything has changed lately with the price of stores and these nights of horses coming through to be able to produce them for these boutique sales makes all the difference. In your in your career doing this so far in terms of getting horses through the point field and getting them sold at these at these big sales who would qualify as your as your biggest success or your most satisfying result so far um well Bradman games looks the obvious one there at late um he, well, he's after going through hopefully he'll, he'll further on a big career now this year um i was very happy with classic getaway it cost a lot of money and he came back to himself um last Saturday and go on park over fences now he looks to be a high class horse so hopefully he'll go forward for really over fences now as well but um, there's loads of them coming through there so hopefully we'll just keep producing them and keep winning the big races for the, the boys that buy them and Donica is there, has there been one that you've had through your hands that's that surprised you that you thought was was just a horse and then has gone on to be way more than that um, I suppose back at the very start one big dude would have been one we just thought he was a normal little horse at the time he was sold very cheap and he went on to win the Welsh National. It was very exciting that time for a, a cheap horse. It only cost 12000 when we sold him after winning his point of point. He was very exciting to go do that for a, a cheap horse. And you, you get a lot of young horses through your hands. To, to what extent do you do you really need to push all the buttons with these horses? It's obviously a, a fairly fine balancing act. Uh, it is, of course, yeah. But the great thing now, I've been very lucky. You can give them a bit of time now with five-year-olds even. I've sold a few five-year-olds even next spring. There's actually no rush on them anymore. One time, the last few years, you think you'd have to get them out as four-year-olds and get them run. But if they if they do the job as a five-year-old now, they'll, they'll sell away the very same. And you've got a, a nice little clutch of horses on paper going to the, the Tingle Creek sale. Uh, walk in the park horse called Flash in the Park. Um, just looking further down, you've got a, an affinity horse, this sire, who's covered a a million mares in the last couple of years called called Brook Bay. Who are you most hopeful for? Uh, two, two, two lovely individuals. Um, the walk in the park, sure. Went out and won his point of point for 20 lengths. Should have saw on fire. He was a fine big horse. Uh, Brook Bay be a smaller type horse, but a very racy horse and, and won very well. And should have saw is uh, haven't done anything wrong lately. So, no, they're two very exciting horses. They're lovely straightforward horses and hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll sell well. And how do you decide which of your you know, hundreds of horses you put in which sale? What, what what sort of a horse would you bring to a Tingle Creek sale, for example? Are you thinking of particular buyers in mind? Um, actually, we need something like I have that uh, is mostly you want something flashy and something that's after winning well on here for them smaller new sales that hopefully it'll stand out like. Right, so you, 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 these are these are these are in the in the top draw, not they, these are these are ones you think could be could be a little bit special. Oh yeah, these are the smarter ones. Yeah, these could be these could go on to do good things. Hopefully, yeah. All right, well, best of luck, Donica. Looking forward to seeing you. No matter, Nick. Thank you. Donica Doyle looking forward to selling his two horses in the Goffs Tingle Creek Sale that takes place after racing at Sandown Park on Saturday. The chief supporting race on Saturday is the Henry VIII Novices Chase. There's not a great depth of opposition to John Bond. Nicky Henderson confirming he would run in that race. But Boot Hill is pretty useful, and we heard some warm thoughts about him from his trainer, Harry Fry, earlier in the week on the podcast, Jane. 
Yes, a boot hill is a good horse, and he's got experience and proper chase experience against fields, good fields as well. So, um, good size fields. I mean, but John Bond for me was excellent in his uh chase debut, and with the benefit of a point point, I suppose that'll that'll stand to him in this. But there is good strength of quality against John Bond, but there's not great strength of of depth of numbers. And I was asking. Barry Gerty was beside me on the coverage last Sunday. How much of a benefit going into a big festival is it to have horses race against big fields? Because we're seeing a lot of our beginners chases over here at the moment be almost grade ones in, in nature without the name. Like I was in Goran on Saturday and we had Journey With Me fall behind Manila Crooner and, and Classic Getaway in a huge field. And then Sunday you saw a similar type of depth of race. And he said it must be for a horse to be able to navigate not only fences, but settle in behind a big field or the helter-skelter of a bit of bumping and barging. That's that's going to be a huge thing for Irish horses at this, as they progress. Because if you look at our Drinmore in comparison to the Henry VIII, it looks like it's going to have depth of quality and quantity. There's 16 left in it at this stage. If Gordon Elliott runs one or two of his trio, he's got three three stripe life, hollow games and mighty Potter. I've been impressed with all three, particularly hollow games last time at Navin. Banbridge, you guys saw him at Cheltenham, what he could do last time. Jo- Joseph O'Brien's all, also got midnight run, who was going to place in the race last year, if not win it when he fell. He's a second season novice. The Devils coachman was an on-runner last time because of ground. He could turn out for Noel Mead. El Barra is his last day as a novice, so I wouldn't be surprised if Willie Mullins pitched him in here because he's um going to lose his novice status after this weekend. Adamantly chosen in there as well for the champion trainer. And Colin Murphy's got a decent mare in there called Impervious. So there's three grade ones at Ferias that Drinmore is going to have strength in numbers. And at this time of year, that's unusual because, let's be honest, some of the biggest trainers haven't even unleashed their real big ones yet. Now, as you know, we are in the thick of awards season. Nothing horse racing likes more than a good award. And if there's one horse who's going to be garlanded as much off the track as she has been on it, it's Highfield Princess. This is a a pretty extraordinary lineup of trophies. She's already the Cartier Champion Sprinter. She's already got that extraordinarily prestigious award under her belt. She was the recipient of the stud breeder success story, her her owner breeder John Fairley, at the ROA Northern Racing Awards that were presented by Racing Welfare at Newcastle Racecourse last Friday evening, the eve of fighting fifth day. She is in line to win either or both of the ROA awards on Thursday the 8th's Outstanding Philly or Mayor and indeed the, the Horse of the Year title. Today, she could pick up the prize for Yorkshire Racing's Horse of the Year, though that is as yet undecided, and I'm sure there'll be many more. One thing is for certain, owner breeder John Fairley, you're going to need a, a new mantelpiece, I think. Oh, I could cope with that problem. <laughs> it, it, it's, been, it's been dreamy stuff. I ought to ask you how she is and how she's come back from the States. Well, actually, she's um, on her holidays at, um, at her friend's stable near... Um, uh, near me, only about three or four miles away. Because normally I see her. She lives with me. <laughs> I normally see her every day as she goes past my kitchen window. But she's having a, a, a four or five weeks off, maybe a little bit more before we have a have a good go again next year. We hope. And and is she the the sort of um, filly that is able to to relax and and chill out and take time away we, from racing? We we think. Um, 
we think very much so. We gave her time off last year. Um, and, of course, she didn't race till nearly the middle of her three-year-old career, but that was to do with having a bit of an injury when she was a two-year-old. So, um, yeah, because she'd come and talk to you over the stable door, and I always say she bites me when she's going to win. <laughs> I mean, you've been in and around horses for, for a long time. It's very rare that I hear an, an owner of a horse, and I know you're lucky enough to live with her, but I, it's very rare that you hear an owner of a horse develop such a, a deep, personal con- connection even if even if they've bred one have you have you experienced anything like this before oh oh no i mean riding horses which i do or have more or less stopped now but um that's different but um with a racehorse no she's quite unique there's no doubt that her character um is a big part of her of her success i mean Jason Hart, who's done a terrific job riding her, he, he told me early on that when a horse came up to her girth, she just pulled out more and went, wanted to go on and, and win and, and does. And uh, she's definitely, she loves racing, uh, but she loves people as well. And um, so um, uh, uh, when, when she gets her polos, which I occasionally give her, um, <coughs> not every morning, um, she appreciates everything you do for her. Definitely, her character has been a key, a key part of her success. Uh, which of those, which of those three Group One victories meant the most to to you and to your family? Because I know it's been a big, fairly family journey. Yes. Oh well, it all it all really started. I've always been interested in French racing, and um, I used to go as a, even as a teenager to Deauville to s- live with a family there. So I knew all about it. So we were keen to go to Deauville for the Maurice de Geest. And um, as it happened, my one of my daughters with her three children, who were, um, i.e., my grandchildren, aged. Well, then 10, well, now 10, 8 and 6, they were on holiday in the Isle of Wight and they made the effort to come from the Isle of Wight to Portsmouth and then Portsmouth to Sherbourne, come up to do. So they were there um, on that Maurice de Geest day and we thought the ground and everything was against her and and then they all saw um, her come and, and win her first Group 1 there. And, of course, there was no stopping them then. They, they had to come to York, of course, because they lived nearby. But there was, they had to come to Ireland for the Flying Five. And then they all had to come, 13 of us, all who went to Kentucky for the, for the Breeders' Cup. So I, I think it truly kicked off in Deauville that day. And she she ran fine in the Breeders' Cup, but it, it wasn't it wasn't her 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 absolute peak. Um, the- no, she did get a bit bumped and everything as well. Um, but um, you know, we, we, we she was not far from disgraced, put it that way. No, she she ran extremely well. I I know you've got some bold plans for for twenty twenty three. How how do you see it shaping up? Well, to be perfectly honest, we might. Uh, running and uh, you know uh, uh, some of the ho- the races we didn't run in the, the King's Stand and um, and the Abbey, um, it, she may end up going to um, the Breeders' Cup again if she if you know if all went well. But it's way over in Santa Anita, so it's mm. it's quite a trip. But I think we'll be, she'll be back in at the first York meeting. I suspect that's when. Um, it'll be a, I'm not saying it'll be a first run, but um, that, that's all on the cards. I, I was trying to wind wind the trainer and the trainer's son up to uh, to take her to Australia for the Everest. Is that something that you'd fancy? 
Well, I haven't ruled it out. Put 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 it that way. We'll see how she goes. It could be it could be you and alcohol free, uh, John. It's been an amazing journey. Thanks for sharing so much of it with us. Right, it's a it's a pleasure. And just on the Northern Racing Racing Awards, I mean, it's it's a it's a best sort of black tie gathering of racing people in the north with a good spread of awards for the best apprentice ride in jumps and on the flat and things. They, and uh, there's at least a dozen awards and a, and a, a great gathering across trainers, jockeys, lads and everything. So um, we were really appreciative last Friday, actually. John Fairley, who's been living the dream with Highfield Princess, her owner breeder, and the Jockey Club Horse of the Year nominees for the ROA Awards are Alaho for Chibley Park stud and Willie Mullins. He'll be out of action, I think, until the Cheltenham Festival at least. Alpinista, the brilliant ARC winner. Aplutar, who won the Cheltenham Gold Cup so decisively. Baid, who's been a just a phenomenon in, in 2022. Constitution Hill, similar comments apply. You've just heard about Highfield Princess and you've been hearing about Honeysuckle. Kiprios was an amazing stayer. What a lineup that is. Goodness only knows how you would choose. And the Mayor of the Year, outstanding filly and mayor on the flat. Well, again, we've been talking about alcohol-free in this episode. She's nominated for that. Alpinista, likewise. Cache, who won the Guineas all the way back in in May. Dreamloper, who's won a couple of Group 1s for Ed Walker and got sold at uh, at Keeneland earlier in the year. Highfield Princess in Spiral, who was so good in France. And Tuesday, whose retirement was announced just last week. So really strong categories um, in the ROA Awards. And Highfield Princess nominated for both. Well, as you know, over the last year or so on this podcast, we've been teaming up with our friends at My Racehorse, one trainer who has done the same thing with a view to picking up the My Racehorse members some uh, fun and some action in the Middle East over the winter is George Baker, who's on the line now to tell me a little bit more. Now, George, you had a a little satellite yard in Bahrain last winter and you're going back again. What's what's been the the impetus to do that? Yeah. Yeah, good morning. Um, We... Kander and I and, and, and the team took two horses out there last uh, last winter, as you say, La Makina and Darwin, just to sort of dip the toe. And we've just been massively impressed by Sheikh Salman and his team and their enthusiasm. And they're desperate, um, desperately excited about the progress that Bahrain has, has made in a short period of time, as evidenced by the international um, trophy that we've just seen run over there. And, uh, and their commitment to uh, attracting international runners and... For my owners, Nick, it's a, a bit of a no-brainer with the greatest respect to, to Southern Wolverhampton, Lingfield and Kempton in, in the depths of midwinter. The, the option of, of going over to, to the desert and a bit of sunshine and some fantastic hospitality and some decent prize money, it's a bit of a no-brainer. And we're, we're very excited to be part of it and obviously delighted to be partnering with, with my racehorse. All right, so tell me a little bit about the horse's concerned. We bought a horse called Get It, who is a, a sprinter. We bought him out of um, out of Clive Cox's. Uh, he's got proven form over over sprint trips on fast ground. And the other my racehorse horse is a, a horse called Watcher, also out of Clive's, a, a lovely um, three year old son of Dark Angel who has caught the eye in a couple of um, pieces of a uh, uh, couple of racecourse gallops recently. So we have those two for, for my racehorse and another horse uh, called Lucanda for um, Paul Bowden and Nigel Jones, who've been great supporters of us and the team. And, and they were in Bahrain last year and loved it. So, so three horses are in transit as we speak, Nick. 
All right. Thanks to all my guests on a busy show. Jane Mangan is still with me, has a tip for you for today. Thoroughly on a Thursday, is there anything better during the winter? The 202 is a maiden hurdle, and I like Enda Bulger's solitary man. Two decent runs, particularly that debut run at Cork, and I think he could um, make a third time looking under Darrell O'Keefe in the 202 at Thurlis. Jane, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. That was Thursday, the 1st of December. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.